0: The Last Word on Today FM with Matt Cooper. So this is the first time on the Culture Club on The Last Word, I think, that we have had a lyric soprano as our guest. Celine Byrne, thank you very much for taking the time to join us here on the programme.
1: Thank you for having me on. Good evening to you and to all your listeners. And we
0: will have lots to talk about in a moment. It has nothing to do with uh, opera at all. You've got a terrific range of choices, uh, well-divorced from opera. But I do want to ask you to start with about a big production that you're doing this weekend, which you must be delighted uh, to be doing, given how quiet things have been for you over the last year.
1: Oh, well, Matt, yeah. Shameless plug. Yeah, as we know, (laughs) we're in a pandemic. So, like, um, for the last year, I've been... Uh, I won't say away from work because I've still been working behind closed doors and kind of exercising and singing and getting the muscles going and all that every day. But it's the first time I'm back uh, doing a full opera with a live orchestra and a chorus, children's chorus. And that takes place, shameless plug, on Saturday at 7.30. We're doing a live stream from the Board, Gosh, Energy the- Energy Theatre. No audience, but for the audience at home. So we're hoping that everybody will join us virtually.
0: Yeah, what's it going to be like, do you think, doing that without an audience? Is it going to be a bit like a rehearsal, a dress rehearsal?
1: No, like, well, it's going to be a bit mad. It's going to be like a, a bit daunting and a bit strange because I think we're so used to performing to an, uh, to an audience, of course. But at the same time, um What's lovely about this is that we are actually doing an an opera, but it's in concert version, but we still have to portray the characters that we are singing. So in many ways, we're still um, diving into that. So I'm playing the role of Mimi in La Boheme and she falls in love with the guy next door, Rodolfo, and it's it's their love story. And so I still have to portray that. So I'm still going to do that within the music and the orchestra with the help of the orchestra, because it's so amazing. And um, I'm 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 sure that everybody will still get that sense, even though a we're in concert format. B, we're socially distanced two meters apart. So there's that kind of space. And without being able to kind of. You know, obviously there's I'm telling you, it's a love story, so it's a bit strange that I won't be able to <laughs> hug my uh, lover and I'll be paying more attention to the microphone than him. But um yeah, it's it's strange, but it's a privilege as well to be able to do something within a pandemic when nobody else is working and I'm, I'm aware of the fact that a lot of people aren't working in the industry in the arts so I'm very mindful of that so I don't even though it's a shameless plug and I am delighted I don't want to be bragging either because I'm mindful of people who aren't working at the moment
0: yeah but there's no harm in having that shameless plug given that it is important <laughs> to everybody involved in uh, the venue, the orchestra, I mean, given the lack of work that there has been for yes. people. I mean, I know you say you've been working and you've been exercising and the rest of it, but you presumably have only been doing a fraction of what you normally would have been doing.
1: Oh, well, I haven't been with an orchestra since last January. And last January, incidentally, it was the it was this opera, it was Boheme, a different production um, directed differently with a different director in Hamburg. So to be able to do this now at home, which should have been, in front of a live audience it's just great to have this opportunity and what's brilliant is that a lot of people at home haven't had the opportunity to hear anything live and now they do so and they get to eat popcorn without the frowns of (laughs) people around them you can have your dinner you can have microwave curry you can get a takeaway eat your sweets you know you're you're not not allowed to to do do that that at the opera no well might be frowned upon by those who are going you know so, um, well, yeah, you, see, you can just didn't... enjoy yourself and sit back and relax, glass of wine, cup of tea, whatever you want.
0: I'm sure there are, are many of us who have little or no experience of the opera. We asked all of our guests to nominate favourite play, theatre show or musical. And you actually yeah. have gone for La Boheme as your favourite opera. It is. Uh, why is I that? Know
1: sound- Listen, I know it sounds very cliche because I'm giving it a plug. <laughs> <laughs> but really, truly, it is my favorite opera. I love Puccini and I've done a lot of the works by Puccini, who is the composer. And um, I've done, he wrote Madame Butterfly, La Bohème, he wrote Tosca. He wrote many things and I've sung many roles by Puccini because I've sung Liu also and Turandot as well as those title roles that I've named out there. And Mimi and La Bohème is my favorite opera because it was the very first opera I ever did in 2010 I set foot on the upper stage for the first time and I sang this role of Mimi and La Bohème and it has stayed with me um, and stayed in my repertoire until now. And I love it and I got to sing it in many, many places. I got to sing it in Covent Garden recently in Hamburg. I got to sing. I made my debut in America uh, singing Puccini and La Rondine with um, the conductor who's conducting this, which is Sergio Alapon. And I just love the role. I think it's wonderful. It's based on a wonderful story, um, La Vie de Bohème, about a group of Bohemians. And in the book, it's um, the story of two women, Francine and Mimi. But in the opera, these two characters are merged together in the role of Mimi. And like most operas, it ends in tragedy. But instead of actually taking my own life, which I do in <laughs> in the other Puccini uh, roles, which Turandot, she stabs herself. And Tosca, she throws herself off, a, off, a, off the top of the castle. And Butterfly, she, she cuts her head off with her samurai sword. Hold um, on a second. Very... <laughs> there, there's a trend here which suggests
0: that uh, Puccini wasn't very much with the Me Too movement if he did that <laughs> to all his lead female characters at the end.
1: Well, Well, she dies of consumption. So, um, yeah, I was I was I was making a joke now. I shouldn't be making a joke because it's very serious. This pandemic that we're in, but she could actually die And these. If we were if we were to make it into a modern day, it could be that she died of COVID-19 because she dies of um, TB uh, consumption. And um, it's a very it's a it's a it's a tragedy because um, it ends with her death and Rodolfo calling out her name and the ill fated lovers. But, okay, um, well we
0: actually have a little bit yeah. uh, a little bit of you singing and oh, I, fantastic. excuse me if if I get this wrong. See me shiamono? Is that how it's pronounced? Oh, no,
1: you're nearly there. Well nearly not there. Really, but anyway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what is it? Come on. Tell uh, me.
1: Listen, sure, I didn't know what it was either. Somebody had to tell me <laughs> once upon a time. It's a see me chiamano mimi. And this is where she's saying, Hi, my name is Mimi, and this is her first meeting with Rodolfo, and she's introducing herself and telling him that. You know, she does a little bit of embroidery and that when she looks out the window and sees the sun, the first light of day, that she feels like it's her sun um, because she's delighted. And subconsciously, we all know that the reason she's happy is because she's survived another day because she knows she's sick.
0: Let's hear a little bit. What got you into opera and singing
1: that? Um, I suppose it was a hobby that developed into a career, really. Um, I've always loved singing, and you know, the usual singing into the hairbrush, looking at yourself in the mirror, thinking, Jesus, I'm fabulous. <laughs> and, um, I think for me, is an escapism, you know, I just love singing and just the kind of like losing myself in singing and just kind of, yeah, I love that. And, um, I Didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to perform. So I thought I'd love to be a West End, you know, singer and do musicals because I loved musicals. And that's where I started. And that's where I got my passion for music, being in musical theater in musical, local musical societies. And um, yeah. And then I think when I went to Italy as an au pair, I was working there for a year and i was singing in the house doing I'm sure I was doing their head in. And the parents said, have you ever seen an opera? And I said, no, I wouldn't be into that kind of stuff. And they were like, why? And I said, ah, sure, look, that's all highfalutin stuff. I wouldn't be into that now. Sure, I wouldn't go to that. And they said, no, you have to go. And I said, oh, okay." And I went to see the opera for the first time when I was 18. And I remember I don't even know what the name of the opera is opera was but I remember being this. I just remember the feeling of being there watching this drama on stage, this opera opera happening and the orchestra and thinking wow I'd love to learn how to but do that. But you got into it that.
0: Celine but I wonder I mean for modern generations is yeah. opera in danger of dying out or is it very much a minority pursuit at this stage likely to become even more minority?
1: I don't know because I think we could have been having this same conversation 50 years ago. I mean Look, we're still performing stuff from the Baroque era. We're still performing Mozart, you know, we're you know, Pacini is a romantic composer. So we're still performing nowadays music from centuries, you know, ago. So um, I still think that there's um, an audience for it. And even now there's modern operas and everything. And I, I don't think, I think people perceive it as being an elitist kind of a thing. And I think that's wrong. And I don't know why that is. But I think maybe it's because they don't they're not familiar with it. And neither was I. And I may have thought the same thing until I became familiar with it. And now I'm actually I love it because it's my passion. It's my job. And I'm so grateful that I get to do something every day that I love to do, with the exception of the pandemic, of course. But um, I don't think it will die out. I think I think it needs to be maybe more accessible. That would be an argument, but I definitely think that a country like Ireland, who is um, known for its literature and we three Nobel Prize winners for literature, and we're um, you know we have a heritage of of uh, and music being passed down from gener- generation to generation in like from the Gaelic side of things. I think that now we're becoming more, you know. Um, I won't say cultured because that sounds like we're uncultured because we are a cultured country. What I'm saying is we're open to different cultures. And I think now people are, have gone to a ballet or have gone to an opera. So I definitely think it's something that's becoming more popular.
0: See, my apologies. We've had a technical issue. I'm broadcasting from home. The fuse board has partly blown, which has knocked off my connection. So I'm continuing this conversation. And our conversation with by the wasn't
1: even hot. So I don't know what happened there. <laughs> well,
0: thank you very much for your patience and for still no, being no there. No problem. Okay, I want to move on to some of your other choices because you've got some great choices which are well away from uh, the opera that we have been talking about and I'm um, yeah. particularly taken with your, um, your favourite album and your favourite band and artist. You have gone for uh, The Smashing Pumpkins and the album Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. Why so?
1: Love it. Eh, Well, I did say like, you know, I'm I'm not somebody. Look, I love what I do. I said that it's my passion and I'm so grateful I'm able to work doing something I love. I said it already. I'm repeating that. But, you know, I love all kinds of music. You know, I'm, I've got a, we've got three kids and we're listening to anything from the Foo Fighters to um, Foo Fighters to hear my accent, Foo Fighters, the <laughs> Foo Fighters to like Boney M, ABBA, ACDC and everything. But my favorite album was, um, it's 25 years old, so that's telling you how old I am, is The Smashing Pumpkins, Yeah, Melancholy and Infinite Sadness. I love it because I think like that, because I have this kind of mixture of what I like, the, I think the album does too.
0: You know, how did you has, how did you get into that in the first place? Because there's a whole sort of um, tell us a little bit about that album, which has a whole range on it, really. Doesn't? Yeah, it?
1: I suppose it's something that kind of like you know, as I said, I'd be listening to ACDC and this, that, and the other, and then when I listened to this album, I was like, oh my god, that just that music kind of describes my personality because it's a bit of everything, like you know, it has that like. In it, you've got like lovely ballads, you've got like bits of heavy metal and there's electronic pop and stuff like that, alternative rock. And uh, like I still play the album and I got it in vinyl as well. And my favorite song is Tonight. Tonight, I love it. And I think I like that so much because it has the uh, orchestral arrangement to it. And then, of course, there's a reprise It's just the reprise that just has the piano and everything. But yeah, it has a, has a bit of everything, I suppose. And, and that's why I love it so much.
0: And, um, yeah. Let's hear a little bit of tonight's tonight. tonight. Mashing Pumpkins from the album Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. Celine Byrne is with us and you mentioned the fact that with your three children that you love the different types of music. So the best yeah. gig you were at is certainly a very different selection from what we might have expected as well.
1: <laughs> I know, yeah.
0: Tell us it about was... this because I, I have a funny feeling I may actually have been at the same gig oh, for the same reasons. Oh my God! Reason.
1: Really? my goodness should we say yeah Yeah. uh, the best gig that i was at was um actually with my daughter we went to see one direction now i'm like i love music so i think one direction are grand but i'm not like a big fan or anything just my taste but to see my beautiful girl just light up and to be so happy and full of euphoria and adrenaline and eating every single word they were saying and singing along and i i just got more enjoyment from watching her than i had like and i'd been at electric picnic and you know my husband's been to a lot of gigs as well and and um yeah but to to be at that gig with her i just felt wow this is amazing
0: was this is the gig at the Crow Park, was it? Right?
1: Yes, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's the one. I mean, it was hard to hear the music <laughs> over the screaming from all the teenage girls in the area.
1: <laughs> I know, but it's just so great. It's just so great when you see somebody enjoying something. Like, you know, it's just so lovely.
0: Let's hear a little bit uh, of One Direction. I don't think it's from the Crow Park gig, but this is a live version of What Makes You Beautiful. thank you so much for getting this one to number one. secure One Direction in Action live. Celine Byrne is with us for the Culture Club this evening. And we want more music to play. We ask our guests to remember or to admit to the first single that they've ever bought. Now, what is your <laughs> choice?
1: Well, it, my choice was uh, actually the very first single that I ever bought was um, Michael Jackson's You Are Not Alone. It had just come out and I was living in Italy at the time. And I thought... Oh, God, is this somebody sending a message to me? I'm not alone because I actually felt so lonely. I hated living in Italy as an au pair. Now, I love the kids that I was minding, but I just was so lonely and I missed home so much. And I remember back in the day before Google, that'll tell you my age as well. And I didn't know what the lyrics were. So I went down to the Virgin Megastore in Milan in beside the Cathedral Duomo. And I went in there and I picked up this uh, single. And in it, it the um, inlay had all the lyrics. So that was the first single I bought. And I played it and I cried and cried and cried.
0: But don't cry as we play it now. Here's Michael Jackson. <laughs> you are not alone. Michael Jackson there. No, Selene Barn, I want to go to television because I believe that you're an enormous Marvel Comics fan and that that has moved into television as well with you.
1: Love it. Yeah, I love it. I remember I was watching the X-Men and was mad into the X-Men. And um, then my youngest child loves Marvel Comics and I got him into the comics as well. And uh, we heard on the grapevine that Disney were bringing out WandaVision so um, we were glued to that and we I actually drove home last just for the day last week and um, just so I could see the last episode with him because I'm up in Dublin at the moment rehearsing and everything but I drove home just to see it
0: okay because I didn't want to miss WandaVision, watching it with him. which is on Disney plus a lot of people are raving about it I haven't seen any of it what is so good about it
1: well it talks about the Red Witch and explains how Wanda is the Red Witch and uh, without giving too much away, because I know people probably want to watch it, it also brings in because Disney have brought the rights to um, a lot of things. It also brings in some of the DC comics, and um, well, I'm going to give something away now. In it, Wanda's brother who has died—we all know—careful, careful, careful now.
0: No, I'm being careful. People... <laughs> right.
1: But Wanda's brother who has died um, in, in the movies has actually come back. But he is as another character from the X Men. Okay. So you have to just, it ties a lot of things together.
0: Well, let's just get a scene from WandaVision in which scientist Darcy Lewis and FBI agent Jimmy Wu are perplexed by what they're seeing beamed onto a vintage TV.
1: What am I looking at? You. What is this? Where is this coming from? Out there. You didn't answer the back door for your upside down cave. <gasps> oh, hi. Uh- is it authentic?
0: I'm not sure how to answer that. Is
1: it happening in real time? Is it recorded, fabricated?
0: I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know.
1: What do you know?
0: My equipment registered an extremely high level of CMBR. That's... Relic radiation dating back to the Big Bang. Yeah. Entwined was a broadcast frequency, so I had your goons pick me up a sweet vintage TV. And when I plugged this bad boy in, voila, sound and picture.
1: Dinner is served.
0: Oh... So you're saying the universe created a sitcom starring two Avengers? It's a working theory. Mm. So that's one division, okay. Which I know a lot of people are even thinking of getting Disney Plus simply for that alone. It's coming so highly recommended. Now let's move to your favorite movie, and uh, tell us a little bit. You're not—I have to say—the first person to to have picked this particular oh, movie know, for I Culture know.
1: Club. Yeah, I know. You don't have to feel bad about that.
0: What is no, about no, the Shawshank Redemption brilliant. that
1: gets you? I just think it's a fabulous story, like, and um, it's also my f- my husband's favorite story or favorite movie. And I used to love actually um, the Great Escape. My father loved that, but we we watched it so many times that I actually stopped liking it. <laughs> but the Shawshank Redemption is great. It's just it's just a super movie, and the acting in it is absolutely brilliant. And I I mean, it's everybody's favorite and it's everybody's favorite for a reason, you know. And then I remember as well, I went to the cinema and I watched uh, Moulin Rouge and I love that as well. But, you know, I think Shawshank Redemption would be everybody's number one for a reason.
0: Well, we've got the opera scene from the Shawshank Redemption in which Tim Robinson's character plays Mozart's The Marriage of Figaro around the prison. And this scene is narrated by Morgan Freeman. I have no idea to this day what those two Italian ladies were singing about. Truth is, I don't want to know. Some things are best left unsaid. I like to think they were singing about something so beautiful it can't be expressed in words and makes your heart ache because of it. I tell you, those voices soared higher and farther than anybody in a great place dares to dream. It was like some beautiful bird flapped into our drab little cage and made those walls dissolve away. And for the briefest of moments, every last man at Shawshank felt free. It pissed the warden off something awful. Open the door. Open it up! (laughs) Dufresne, open this door! I am warning you, Dufresne, turn that off! So there we are. We've got a bit of opera in at the end as well. If yes, burn. Sularia, lovely. So well, we've come to the end of the Culture Club. Thank you very much for being with us. And if people want to see you in La Boheme, I think if they go to the Borgosh Energy Theatre website, they can purchase tickets for a Saturday evening's performance.
1: Exactly, yes.
0: Listen, best of luck to you. Hope it goes very, very well for you. I'm sure it will. It'll be enjoyable for you and for everyone involved and for all the viewers as well. And thank you for joining us here on thank The Last you, Word Today thank you. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Listen live on
1: air from 4.30 weekdays on Today FM.